Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. And here we are creating Beyond Calculation, Beyond Politics, Beyond the Big Two. Welcome, Silverliners, to the wonderful world of Wednesday Wham! I'm your host, Dean Zachary, and I'm joined tonight by, well, boys, looks like a skeleton crew. Uh, we've got uh, the Superior Skeptic, Aaron Humphreys. We have Rob Davis, the Paragon of Pencils, and we have one of the Wizards of War play. We have Rory Boyle with us tonight. Hi, how is everybody doing tonight? You guys doing good? So grand. So far, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow! The enthusiasm just oozes on screen. We're gonna, ooh. we're gonna talk. Ooh, we're yeah, gonna, Dean. Gonna, whatever. I'm doing. Great. I know. I know. You wanted to be able to <laughs> well, talk about some stuff. I think, or, yeah, so. I guess. I guess Grandpa Simpson said it best uh, when he said, "What's my motivation?" <laughs> That's pretty much. Actually, he said, "Where's my medication?" But you know, you get the point. same thing. Uh, same thing. But what we're going to talk about tonight is is motivation, and I don't want to turn it into a judgmental thing, you know, or like, yeah, I work harder than this person or that. I really want to get down to the level of what motivates us to do what we do, and then our daily sort of uh, schedule to be productive and get things done, whether it's organic and unstructured, like Aaron's probably is, or whether it's structured yeah. <laughs> and, you know, where you have like a set schedule or whatever. It doesn't really matter. We're going to, we're going to discuss what works for each of us and, and how, uh, how the work gets done. Because I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of friends and colleagues. You don't like have any to, friends, Dean. Quit lying. Well, they pretend to be. Yeah. <laughs> three right here so yeah. i don't need those guys anymore um i've got you guys now uh but they tell me sometimes you know ah you know i want to do this and then i've got this screenplay to do that and then i've got this mini series i wrote and i've got this novel i wrote and then i've got this and that that i wrote and it's like uh we'll do you know don't talk just do so i want to get down to what what gets us to sit down and create, um, and I want to start. I want to start uh, as I sometimes do with Aaron because uh, that often inspires more conversation and more. Yeah, because they say stupid uh, stuff. Because uh, Aaron opened yeah. his big mouth and we can all read on him. <laughs> right. I'm just going to so, wait till you say two things. And then, um, actually, I know. Actually, <laughs> no, no. So, you know, Aaron, tell us about like okay, a typical day in Aaron's world, the PG-13 version, <laughs> and like what you do every day. Like okay, and then right, I work on this, and then I work on that, and then, you know, like how what do you expect of your creative productivity of the day? Do you meet that every day, and how do you go about getting that accomplished? Well, I mean, do you should I set small goals? And I tried to tell this to another artist who was looking at making a graphic novel. I'm like, break it down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't focus on making the whole thing at once. It overwhelms you. So when I was making Goblins, I would focus on making, <coughs> excuse me, three pages at a time. I just focus on those three pages because uh, that's easy. And then, of course, if you keep doing that over time, you have a big comic. Um, mm-hmm. yep. uh, yeah, I usually set small goals and then get them done. I usually start working about six, seven o'clock at night and, and then finish up around four in the morning. Mm-hmm. stuff and that's mm-hmm. client work and then um 
comic work and, and all of that stuff. Um, do you break it up? Like, okay. So when you say client work for, for those people who aren't really in the business that you're mm-hmm. talking about freelance paid work for many. Yeah. I do a lot of motion okay. graphic stuff, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 And so you get that done. A lot of artists, like I used to do this too, I would get that done first, get the paying work done first yep. and then start on the comic work. Yeah. Usually what I do. And anymore, okay. I usually give myself an hour, an hour and a half at the end of the night to work on my own stuff, regardless of something. Okay. Either I'm, I'm, I'm writing another comic, so either I'd write on the script I'm doing, if I have a, you know, another scene in in mind or i have been drawing on this uh i think you saw the beachhead one yeah the, yeah i've been yeah. just p- picking at that one as i go along um mm-hmm. stuff like that um have, i try not gotten... to draw on the obsoletes as much because roland's a punk and that guy doesn't <laughs> deserve any wow. any help at yeah. all so mm. yeah he's last <laughs> on my list um talk about a demotivational you know, project working for Roland. Oh man! Wow! Can't wait for him to review this one. He's about to pop so, in here. Three, yeah, he will pop in here any second now. I know he's, he's gonna. gonna I waited. I just is always what? doing this. I, I guess I'm kind of like in a way baiting him to see if he'll jump up. And be like, you punk, and just start like. Going. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like jump in. Waiting Welcome for uh, off-screen Crozier to come hook you off. Yeah. Oh, Barb, you made it. Barb. Oh my god! Yeah, we didn't have internet phone Whoa. or TV for nine hours today. And you would oh, think, my word. yes, you, you were would... the, you were in the 19th century. Oh, <laughs> it's first world problems. I tell you, I had to, I had to rely on, on uh, audio books and radio. Oh my Ooh. God. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, to do, what to do? What to do? Fortunately, it doesn't stop uh, procreate because you download the art onto your iPad. So I was able to keep plugging away. That's good. That's good for you. Well, Barb, you're going to go ahead. I said, and of course, the very first phone call we got after the the service came up just like five minutes ago was a spam call. (laughs) Of course. I got, I got a bunch of those today. They must be, (laughs) this must be the time of the month where they're hitting everybody. Gotta make quota. Yeah. Gotta make quota. Gotta, gotta hit so many people. Yeah. I got it. My house. They're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Barb, you made it in just in time. We had just started and I sort of set the table and you, and you know, from uh, the messages I sent you, what we're going to talk about. Uh, But just we're, we're talking with Aaron about, his schedule for the day. Yes, he actually does do things. After um, he cures cancer, solve world peace. After he cures cancer, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about, you know, work schedule and when the most productive time of day and whether he puts his paying work, you know, b- before the comics and how much time it takes and so on. And what we've gotten so far is that he doesn't care. Just whenever he feels like it, he'll sit down and do a little, little bit for an hour and then, if he gets something yeah. done, great. If not, he goes back to video games. No, that's yeah, not that's pretty much he it. Actually, yeah. <laughs> he had no, no. He's a night night owl. Definitely yeah. uh, works from what midnight to four or to what? Oh, seven, you, like seven a seven to o'clock four. to like four in the morning. Seven to four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. And you do yeah. your you do your freelance work first. Get that out yeah. of the way. 
and uh and then you, whatever who, i have left over, are you working so. for you don't have to tell us your name but are you working for like a video game development company you're working for advertising no there's a gentleman what? there's a few general there's a gentleman i met up in north in alaska who i do stuff with and i've been doing finding some projects on upwork and stuff that are kind of fun mm-hmm. to do so i've been doing those well i understand you can't talk about stuff. the chinese work and the russian work, but you know no. the the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't talk to you about that communist work I do. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> right. The right before the 4th of July. Before the Wait, 4th of July. Can, can you send some of that my way too, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, okay, so I'm worried about you guys now. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so like. You're using an awful lot of red. When you start. When you start, I mean, the guy who said you, he's worried about us has a red silver line shirt in the back. That's I mean, right. I'm sure if you turn that around, it would see the hammer and sickle, right? So, are you doing primarily concept work or are you doing finished stuff? And when you say graphics, you were talking about motion graphics. Is that yeah. the type of thing that you see? Like sometimes in advertisements, you see yeah. rotating copy or flying titling, and that. Sort well, of one thing. thing I'm doing now is we're redesigning a character in Illustrator. So I, I, a lot, most mm. of my client work is done in Illustrator, and mm-hmm. uh, I have to yeah. redesign him and set him up to be rigged to be animated. So oh, I'm okay. setting up different sims. So I, I do a lot, and then I do storyboarding to when I do uh, motion graphics. Um. And then I also, I, you know, I, I set up basically th- it, like images and Illustrator to be animated. Right. Okay. Animated. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. That's, the, yeah. that's, makes the, that's sense. the short. That's the short. The short version. answer. Yeah. yeah. A- Agent yeah, the... Cub says money. Money is my motivation, and that's interesting. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to spin off that for a moment and just get get deep into this. A lot of people say that, and yet. If you want to make money, art is not necessarily the business you want to get into making. So there That's has to be right. there has more. to be some sort of affection for what you're Ooh, doing yeah. and the process yeah. and the drawing and all that. So, Aaron, would you say what what is that driving motivation? Because I, I usually look at it as, you know, obviously the money, the payoff, the um, fan recognition and peer recognition some people have a combination of those talk to us a little bit about those three elements and and how they work i don't know well it's not really money per se mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i don't know i you know I, I just remember george carlin talking about motivation every time i hear it i always think of him yeah, he's that like, doesn't I never, surprise it, me he's hilarious <laughs> He's like, I never understood motivation. He's like, I never understood motivational tapes or any of that. He's like, you either want to do something or you don't. What's the big mystery? (laughs) And I'm like, and that's literally how I think of motivation. It's like, if you don't want to do it, then then you don't want to do it. If you do want to do it, then. It comes from this internal drive to create. I just like creating my own world. I mean, I I literally think about it as going back and playing with like toys as a kid, except now I get to create my own worlds from scratch. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here and and, and point something out. That's a really good philosophy that you have there. Um, I was not philosophy, just what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a philosophy per se. However, well, it's yeah. However, if somebody hires you and you've got to make a deadline, that's a pretty damn motiv- good, good motivation. Better, yeah. Yeah. You if if you want to keep doing art and making money at it, you have to you have to make deadlines. Um, when I did it full time, I I sometimes put in eight hours 
a day. I sometimes mm-hmm. put in 16 hours a day, depending mm-hmm. on what my deadlines called for. I loved what I did, but there was also a responsibility to my yeah. client, which was DC sure. Marvel. Sure. You know? Yeah. So yeah. the yeah. motivation was I need, I wanted to please my, my employer and I wanted to get right. my work out there. It was, it right. was a double, double thing for me. I needed to put a roof over my head and food on the, on the table. Uh, mm-hmm. I needed to meet my deadlines, but there was this motivation of doing something I also loved. So mm-hmm. which was stronger, the motivation to do something I loved or the, the motivation to make money. And that could have been equal. I mean, they could have it, been. It, it was equal at the time. You know, it is in that it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It but changed at, with at that time. time right? Yeah, Barbie it changed with time. with time. But at yeah. that point, I had young children. Um, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, my husband was out of a job. Uh, mm-hmm. And I... I got into the comics industry because I loved doing the artwork, but I also needed to make the money. Yeah. I needed to make the deadlines. Right. And making the deadlines gives you a good reputation. So yes. yes. It's, yeah. you know. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Especially nowadays. One thing yeah. I touched on um, with Rob, we were talking before the show, yeah. is that aspiring artists um, a lot of times want to at least, if they, if, you know, some of them want to just do their own work and that's it. Some want just to step their toe into the pool of Marvel and DC, even for a short time. And what we were discussing was if your motivation, and this is for those listening, if your motivation is to work for one of the big two or even Image or IDW and, and, and some of the smaller uh, independents, uh, maybe Silverline one day, uh, the most important thing is... <clears throat> Make sure you meet the deadline and please the editor. We were talking about <clears throat> it's very important to do your best work, but you have to make peace with the fact that for practical reasons, yeah. not every page is going to be your A-plus work. You may have a page that's a B, you may have a page that's a B minus, you may even have a C page or two in there, but as long as you have enough A, a or A-plus pages, and if you're, if you're uh, lucky enough to do the cover, a lot of times when you're first breaking in, they don't let you do the cover. Um, right. If you're lucky enough to get to do the cover, make sure the cover's A plus and make sure that more of the pages are A than aren't. You're good, but you just can't let that perfectionism blow the deadline because then you'll be, you know, blacklisted and you won't get yeah. any more work. You, especially you, can't, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of uh, good enough. Right. And, yeah. I think, yeah. and I've told yeah. this story before, but when I was working at DC, I had a penciler and we were way behind schedule mm-hmm. and I called him up and I said, I need pages because it's going to be up to me now to catch us up. And he goes, right. Oh, I, not today. I'm just not feeling the art. And I go, mm-hmm. well, yeah. you're going to feel my, my foot up your ass pretty soon. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the practical approach, and and again, if it was, were you with DC or Marvel at the time? Was I was that... I was with DC, and it was going to okay. be up to me to 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 catch up the deadline because he was That's, so behind. Yeah, if you're at that level, uh, feeling it is is not part of the deal. You have to just do it, and every page is not going to be your your best work. That's just part of life, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so accepting that is important. So so to those who are aspiring, that's very important. The other thing is. You know, Aaron's just described a work schedule that's pretty intense. Seven yes. to three yeah, or really four is. in the morning. 
that's a long day, even that though you know it's not technically day. day. But that's a long <laughs> stretch. You have to be willing if you're going to commit yourself to art, um, even commercial art, that it's going to be one of the dominant forces in your life. Uh, speaking from experience, I think all of us have, you know, had relationships suffer because of art demands. We've had our personal lives encroached upon because of art demands. We've had side jobs uh, <clears throat> complicated because of art demands. It yep. is something yep. that yep. is yep. just part of being an artist. Uh, I'm so happy to not be an artist. Ah, the writer <laughs> speaks. Speaking <laughs> of the writer, talk to us, Rory. Being being sort of new to the industry, uh, although <clears throat> an experienced person uh, in life and, and in other things and certainly writing, but when when you dedicate yourself to creative writing, um, do you have a disciplinary regimen? Do you have a set time during the day, morning, night? And again, we're going to get your take on uh, whether you do it for fan recognition, for mm. peer recognition, or simply pay or some combination of those three elements. Yeah. Uh I write, I create, and I've just recently changed the, the idea of creating to reforming. I'm just taking existing ideas and, yeah. and pulling them in different directions. I'm not making okay. anything new, so I have to I have to work with the existing world. Uh, I do it because, firstly, I enjoy it because I get just the biggest thrill out of it. When, when I can make myself laugh reading my own stuff, like, oh, man, I still got it. <laughs> If I can make somebody else laugh, I mean, if I can make Scott laugh, that's easy because him and I are like the same same mind. Right. But if right. I can hand somebody that I wrote and watch the smile creep onto their face, I'm like, all right, oh, yeah. that's a good one. That, that works. Is, yep. That falls under, from that. under peer recognition, right? Peer uh, recognition. That falls okay. a little bit under that. Uh, yep. Also falls into. I noticed you have you haven't mentioned pay necessarily. Now, is that because you haven't yet been paid for any creative work, or does that interest you down the road, or is that not a big element of why you do? Uh, it's not a big element. I would love, don't get me wrong. I'd love to sell a million copies of Steam Patriots. Sure. Oh yeah. And, and Scott and I, from the very beginning, we we said you know money's not like the absolute. I mean, we would love right. to be able to be creative full time. Sure. Sure. I mean. That would be would? amazing. Yeah, we'd love mm -hmm. to, to pull a Hemingway and just go mm -hmm. drink and write somewhere on a beach and mm -hmm. in the woods. Sure. And uh, so that was we, we had to agree on that at first. Uh, we were stoked when the first Kickstarter for Steam Patriots and Divinity, like what the money we got from that, funded the second copy. Oh yeah, yeah. So like we're we're in the black, and that's amazing because that's we were in the red for about ten, eleven years. I mean right. the amount the amount of money you you put out and how many you know publishers and artists we went through and mm -hmm. it was just mm -hmm. astounding. Oh yeah, I've already I've already pre-spent my next kit Kickstarter yeah. for my pencilers. I got to make it back, or <laughs> I'm in the red. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's been a wild ride watching the process unfold and learning as we go. And having yeah. you guys around us is super helpful because you guys are you know veterans of the industry, so you can explain the, these words we don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know what the lettering and inking was. That was oh, that's you're literally lettering and inking. Okay, <laughs> lettering and yeah. inking, right, right. So, <clears throat> do you write for yourself when you, when you're motivating yourself to write? You sit down and you go, "Man, I can't wait to do this." Writing for yourself first, for the audience, a combination. How does that work? A combination depends on the story. Um, okay. 
So I write best in the early evening, but I'll come up with an idea in the morning and I'll knock it around in my head all day. And I'll pick, I'll pick one of my, what you, this time last year, it was 15 different stories I was working on. Now it's down to 13 because Steam Patriots one is published and two is, you know, done with the artist. Mm -hmm. So I have 13 stories I'm pulling from and I will pick one and I'll just, I'll go through the plot in my head. What's Mm -hmm. happened, what needs to happen. And I'll, I, I can just throw it to the back of my mind for the whole day. And, and when I'm done with school, because mm-hmm. I go to school full time and I have mm-hmm. time to sit down in the early evening, I can mm-hmm. bring it to the forefront of my mind and just let it keep rolling out. Excellent. So it depends yeah. on the story, because certain stories I'm writing for myself, certain stories I'm writing like with Scott, Steve Majors, because we both enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and we have more fun making it together because we could just, we, we sit there and we're like, three hours of just making each other laugh and then an yeah. hour of actual work. But because we've delved into it so much in those three hours, that one yeah. hour of work, it just lays itself out. So you got yeah. a kind of a Lennon McCartney thing going, huh? Yeah. That's excellent. That's Except excellent. I'm, well, I like it's Ringo. definitely evident in the material, uh, that issue one, we're like, come on, come on, let's go issue two. Come on. Come right. On. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. that's a good self-motivating thing too. Like, yeah, one is done and it worked and people liked it and, Mm-hmm. And now having a couple mm-hmm. cons under the belt, like with you in Memphis and then yep. in PA, mm-hmm. that people like selling our book. I, Scott is way better at approaching strangers than I am. He can go <laughs> sell anything. Uh-huh. I can sell anything, but I prefer it not to be a cold sale. You know, yeah. like, hey, you come over to my table because I feel like it's <laughs> awkward. Yeah. But, yeah. but giving people the idea of like Steam Patriots, like, oh, it's the American Revolution, but it's steampunk. You know, yeah. you're gonna fall into like two camps. It's gonna be like mm, don't care or right. Never thought right. about that one before. And then they, they think about it for, for a few seconds, and you see a smile pop on their face because it clicks. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. that would work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you did. Was that your first con? The one, the con we did together in Memphis. Was that? Was that like the uh, first con you'd ever done? Or that was the first con behind the booth. Yeah. You you did it. You did a fine job there. You fell right Thank into you. it. Uh, I was just taking uh, your lead. I was just literally parroting whatever you said. Well, yeah. that, wow. Well, Hi, my name's Dean Zachary. That's, that's not always safe. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, seriously, you did you did good. Just keep keep uh, keep that positive attitude. Just be not yourself. Going to buy the stuff. Um, just be yourself. Just be motivating yourself. people to buy the material is sometimes about allowing them the freedom to just browse yeah. and yep. that's one thing i try to do at a con is mm-hmm. i don't do the the salesmanship stuff i just go hey thanks for coming to the table here's what mm-hmm. it is you know feel free yeah, to browse around that's exactly what i do too Let i go know. through i it says i'm gonna go through my spiel and i go mm-hmm. through it this is this this is this there's a bat. yeah yeah all right feel free to browse yeah Got yep. any questions? Let me know. Yeah, and I then like if I'm approach. running a sale, if it's the third day of the con or the second day or the last day of the con, yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll say, "Look, you know, this is fifty uh, percent off or twenty percent off or what have you," and you know that helps sometimes. Um, yeah. But it's good working with Scott, is, like up in PA, because yeah. he's like a carnival barker. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. fifty like yard Roland. radius and like send people yeah. to the table, <laughs> and then once they're there, I can I can start talking to them and explain yeah. things. And, Right, Ro- Roland book would literally hand. just reach out like a carnival bar and go, yeah. "Hey, can I can I tell you my comic? Hey, can I tell you my comic yeah, story? Yeah. Hey, you, yeah. you over there, twenty five feet away, yeah. come here. No, you, the other one in the X Men shirt, come yeah. here. You know, I'm like, wow, yeah. okay, man. 
go not for you, it. You. And I just sit and watch him, you know, and yeah. uh, I, uh, I that can work too. It's it's whatever's yep. comfortable, you know, for, for the individual. But uh, all right, so how many hours do you spend writing? Ooh, that, it, it varies. Day? It can be some days it just it doesn't come to my head. If I can get one idea out a day on paper that I can expound on later, that's a win. Okay. Uh, or if I can get like a one-liner or one scene in my head, because I, I will do 90% of the work putting it together in my head, playing it out like a movie with all, mm-hmm. the, all the blocking of yeah. where people are. Yes. So I'm also, everything's like a frame. So, and it's, I was doing that before, like even putting things into comic, you know, and, cells. And don't you wish you could just like, out. okay, we're yeah, put yeah. this in here. <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Yep, right, yep right, exactly. Right. So how long the does that done. take, Rory? How long does that take? Like three hours? You said three hours, two hours? Uh, sometimes. Four? Usually, if I get going, it's it's no less than forty-five minutes, and I'll probably peak out after about three or four hours. Okay, that's that's okay. the longest I'll go without. Like I, I can feel when my brain's starting to get fatigued, and I was like, mm, I can't, I can't okay. put much more into it because I'll write it all out, and then I'll have to go back and like edit it, you know, just fix all the mistakes and all the grammar and all that stuff, clean it up and put everything in the same tense, put everything of people where they should be. But then editing, like, how is this going to flow with the part of the story I've already done and what's coming? So I'm looking in three directions at once, trying to get this coherent story. I mean, uh, I guess what? that's what the editor does, but I like doing it in one go. I don't like doing rough drafts of paper for college either. Just one yeah. and done. That's all you get one out of me. Done. Wow. What about your what about your template? Because templates are important at your stage in mm-hmm. this business. What do you use? What are you using? Software. I mean, what application? What what do you write in? Is it Word? Is it just, you know, just... so I will if I'm on the if I'm on the run, I'll use my my iPhone with the notes thing or the bear oh, wow. app. Oh, okay. Ooh, and okay. I'll have a different uh, different note or different whatever for each story so I can bebop around and drop things in. And then I'll, I like writing it on paper if it's, if my brain is moving slow, but I know I'm going to have to translate it. It's just more romantic that way, I think, but it's going to have to get on the computer at some point and I can write okay. more faster, you know, on, on the laptop. Yeah. More. Yeah. <laughs> more yeah, exactly. Um, well, there are templates for, comic book scripts out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have several of them. Um, that sounds more cooler. You can find them online <laughs> if you want me to send you one or link yeah, to one. Great. I can I'll do stuff like that. I've got like yeah. an X-Men script from way back that just breaks mm-hmm. it down. I, I don't know whether you've seen any of the, the script. Well, does Scott use a format? I'm not sure. When we write... I know he, he for a while there. I don't know if he still does. He used the the snowflake method, how things branch out. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. do I do something similar that okay. if I have a story in mind, like my jungle adventure story, I know all the high points, all the major scenes that have to happen. Now okay. I'm just working on the in betweens. How do I make them connect? How am I moving people in the story? What physical location okay. is there? So yeah. like mind mapping it. Okay. Okay. Well, there there is a set format. Uh, like I said, you can find it online. It they usually have word uh, format, you know, documents. And you know, okay. it's not a hundred percent necessary, it. but it's just a good habit to get into breaking down. You know, page one, panel one. You know, mm-hmm. and then the indentions and so on, and how it's broken out, just for clarity, if nothing else. Yeah, and it They're also gives quicker you, too. Really, yeah, and it gives you a good set of uh, timing because you realize, okay. 
if I'm doing a standard 22 to 25 page script and I'm already on page 16, I better, you know, wrap up and get mm, to my cliffhanger yes. for this. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, that helps. It helps break it down. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on to our uh, Paragon of Pencils. Rob Uh-oh. Davis. Rob, talk to us a little bit about work habits. Uh, what's your motivation? Who are you working for? Your peers, your fans and um, money? And what what percentage of each of those three components goes into motivating you to, to get up every day and get on that, that drawing table. The, the, the biggest motivator for this old retired guy is uh, I, I have to create. Mm-hmm. I know a, a writer writes because he has to write. An artist draws or paints or does whatever because he has to. There's, a, there's, there's a, this deep need to create something. And that's my biggest motivator now. Now, at one point, it was, it was money. It's very similar to what what Barb was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had all my life as a young kid, about age eight, I picked up a comic book and I, and I, I it was a Jack Kirby comic book, and I said, "Man, I got to figure out how to get how to do this." Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is great. Uh, figuring and and then learning uh, who did what in comic books and all that. And I went to college, and I lived in Missouri. Now, this is before FedEx, UPS, and all that, uh, before fax machines, before any of that. So I went to college and soon discovered that the only way that I could really get into the industry, I would have to move to New York or near New York. Oh, yeah. And this this little town guy from the middle of Missouri, a little tiny town in, in Missouri, that was going to eat me alive, and I knew it. So I, I, I wandered off that path and didn't create for a while and dropped out of college and, and uh, just, you know, fell down a deep hole and eventually got to, got so far down to the bottom of the hole, I finally said, okay, this is either, I'm either going to, I'm going to either leave this world or I'm going to figure out what what is it I have to do in this world to to not go crazy and not kill myself and i figured i've got to figure out how to break into the comic book industry and that's when fedex came along ups came along fax machines came along and it was that i started going to conventions i i i I set a schedule for myself every day i I worked a regular nine to five job i'd come home have dinner uh and then i would go i had a room set aside uh, where my wife in that apartment where my wife and I lived, and that was my studio. And mm-hmm. I would go in there at nine or ten o'clock at night, and I'd work until one a.m. on just learning, learning the craft, teaching myself the craft, either studying books or you know looking at comic books or such. And I put together a portfolio. I'd go to a convention, get feedback, and I was driven. Uh, and that's to me, that's what it takes. That's what it's mm-hmm. going to take for, for you to get into the industry is to to be completely driven that this is the, this is the thing you want to do so bad nothing can get in your way. That's that's what motivation is, uh, and so I I actually did do some studying of motivational tapes and and that sort of thing to kind of put my mind into this. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And uh, it, surprisingly, within about a year and a half, I got work. In, in the industry. Now, I, I wasn't as good as I am now, 
uh, and and I, I kept getting better as time went along. But because I Sorry, I, I concentrated on it. Siri's talking to me. Siri's uh, talking back to you. Yeah, you know, I I worked really hard at it, and 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 I made it. it but and it's it was a little easier then, as we you and I were talking beforehand. I happened to hit it at just the right time, yeah. right mm-hmm. when the, the black and white comic book boom happened. It was, you know, within a year yeah. after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had, had hit and became a big a big seller in comic book shops. And black mm-hmm. and white comic books were taking off. And so I kind of got in on, on that boom. And then I kind of parlayed that into more and more work in the industry and eventually uh, working on the Star Trek books at first at Malibu. First at DC, then at Malibu, and I kind of bounced around for between the two of them for a little while, and then then the implosion came, and all my contacts left the industry, and uh, I got left high and dry. But mm-hmm. uh, but for a number of years there, I, I, that drive got me there. But I ever since then, I haven't stopped drawing. I, it, as I That's tell good. people, I you know the daytime job paid the bills, fed fed me fed my family uh but the the stuff i would do at night uh at the drawing board that fed my soul so i had to feed my soul because the years i didn't i didn't feed my soul it turned into a black dark hole yeah a a nasty time in my life i was opposite i never wanted to work for marvel dc i don't remember having the motivation always wanted to do my own things i was always making my own comics that's how i taught myself storytelling is making my own ideas and stuff Um, it's funny because it's and and when i was young most of my friends who drew comics with me all wanted to do their own stuff now this could have been the image (laughs) thing at the time everyone doing yeah yeah you Um, that's the time you came along Right after all that, yeah, yeah, and so I I mean, I got in the comics in in the in the mid '80s, but when Image came out, and and the idea of doing your own comic and the own, but I started making my own comics in sixth grade, and I always wanted to make my own stuff. I never cared about. I never drew Spider Man or Batman. I just, I just never cared drawing other people's stuff. I I never. I thought I would get into comic. I thought I'd get into superhero stuff. But I found that I could do likenesses really well, and that's why yeah. I gravitate. And I loved Star Trek anyway. Yeah, uh, you and, loved and the so story. I kind of gravitate. I gravitate yeah. gravitated to that. Now I've never been much of a writer myself. I mean, I I yeah. can write, but it's not it's not the, the level that it really needs to be professionally. Oh, so it, and I've heard this. I've heard stories. this story. I've heard this story from writers who go, "I wanted to be an art artist in comics, but I could never get that down." Well, I got just the opposite. You know, I would like to have done both, yeah. or 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 write comics, but uh, I don't really. I probably could have the skills if I de- if I dedicated myself like I did to the art, where I would mm-hmm. sit down and learn, you know, the basics and the you know all the all the little storytelling things that that go on. But I I devoted it to drawing and yeah. telling a story visually. So it, so if somebody comes to me with and that's what happened is somebody came to me with a story that was. They needed told, and they handed it to me. Oh, that's an interesting story. I'll tell that for you. That's what happened mm-hmm. with Simidar, which is the thing that, that got me some notice in the industry. It, it mm-hmm. was it wasn't superheroes, but it, but it was in a way. But so it was it was kind of quasi yeah. this, and it was uh, it was very sexy. We actually had some X-rated issues of it, so it, mm-hmm. it generated some controversy, which is. When you're trying to sell something, you know, even yeah. even bad publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 
So I've always, and that's why when we have these talks, what is it the thing that I emphasize the most? It's the story. It's the story. It's the story. Yeah. Sure. You, you got to tell the story. And that's, <clears throat> that's where I come that's from. That's the most that's important what, thing. That's my thing. I, I want to yeah. ask you something, Rob, about your, in the days when you were working full time, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was for DC or whoever, what was your daily work schedule like? <laughs> How many hours a day did you put to get a page done? Because I get that question. I know people who watch this who are aspiring pencilers are going to want to know, like, how fast mm-hmm. do I need to be? Uh, well, I, could, I got to where I could do a page a day, and it okay. took 10, 10 to 12 hours. Okay. Now, some of that was, now, not all of that was at the drawing board, but it was always in here. I was always, you know. I would, I yeah. would sometimes I'd have to get up and walk around and, but I was always thinking about what, what I needed to do next. So, okay. but so it was about a 10 to 12 hour it's about day. A 10 to 12 hour day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Starting, okay. starting about starting sometimes at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and working till 12 or one uh-huh. I could, so I could, with, with breaks, with breaks pushed yeah. in there. I could so, do, I've got it down to do two days to do a page. I could do a page mm-hmm. in one day if I wanted to. The Cintiq speeds me well, up. Well, that's just penciling. Yeah. That's just penciling. That's not... Yeah. No, yeah, that, that, uh, that was just penciling, too, because I would do the rough the first day, and then I would do the final pencils. Mm-hmm. I, I go over yeah. twice uh, oh, the no, second I, day. I did get to where I could do, when I did uh, Daughter of Dracula for, uh, yeah. for mm-hmm. Ron Portier, what, that, was, that was the first step back into the industry was doing that with Ron Portier. It's a it's a graphic novel. I still have it available at my table uh, at shows, but that I got tricked into doing it because Ron had this script for a, for a daughter of Dracula, and he and he had tried to sell it as a screenplay, and he rewrote it as a graphic novel, and he couldn't interest anybody in doing it, and so he pitched it at me, and I really liked it. I thought it was a great story, but I didn't think really think it, it was going to take a lot of work to get it done. So in order to put him off without being, you know, too mean about it, I said, well, <laughs> I, I'd like to do this, but may, I could probably only give you a page a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to my surprise, he says, OK. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Something's wow. better than nothing, I think. Yeah. That's so what it comes to. I, I, yeah. I every Sunday or every Saturday or Sunday for two years. I put out, I penciled, lettered, inked, and get, put gray tones on one page a week for two years, and wow. put that and, and that that book came out. And that's dedication. And, and, wow. and, and Ron and Ron kept saying, "Well, and every week the new pages would come in, and there was no lowering of the the level of work that you were doing on it either." And I'm going, "Well, that's I I committed to do a page a week." And I was going to mm-hmm. give you a good page each and every week. And that was working full time as a bus driver at the same time. So, mm-hmm. and, so I, throughout the week. So, but that was, and that was how we, I got back into it. And it's done something on the side ever since. And now that I'm retired, this is what I do regularly every day. And I probably, do do- I, I run about this, I run about eight. Eight to ten hours a day. A day, doing it. yeah. And like take weekends, or yeah, or take... no, I work weekends too. But yeah. a lot, okay. but that's also including that's that, that's design work that I do for Airship Twenty Seven, 
Okay. It's, uh, okay. It, you know, some of that stuff, there's bookkeeping that I do for that. Uh, I'm yeah. the chief cook and bottle washer for Airship 27. <laughs> so I, I take care of all that. Ron does most of the editing and uh, getting the stories in and, and getting artists lined up. And I'm the one that I'm the one that makes it all work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I do. I hear I, you that's there. First with everything else. Yeah, it's I call it cheap cook and bottle washer. So <laughs> you know you're doing everything except yep. except those. And that's the thing. That's why our partnership works. He's got that part that you know, and that clicks in with what I do. And I I fill in the blanks. And we, between the two of us, we've got. A, a pretty good deal going on. So now let's let, let me get to the, the the root of it here. What what gratifies you the most? Fan reaction or peer reaction or peer a combination? Peer reaction. Peer reaction. Okay. Peer reaction. Uh, and, and fortunately, a lot of those peers are also uh, the the people who read and buy buy the things that I I create. Now uh, I've, I've I've won a few awards, the Pulp Factory Awards. I've won a couple of those. I won a Pulp Arc Award. Uh, then these are all for illustration work. And but but the biggest pleasure I get from it is when when that book, it's it's just like that first comic book you get. The first you can and if I'm lying, shoot me here, Dean. But I'll bet okay. that uh-huh. first comic book that came in a box. From the from the uh, the company, you mm-hmm. opened it up and you saw your work yeah. published. There's, there's nothing no, like that. There's no like other that. high like it. No, that's that nothing was like it. And I still yeah. get that every time a box of books comes to the house and I open it up and I turn them. There's my work printed, even though I'm the one who printed it. But it's yeah. it's still physically that I. I know that's going to go out and people are going to see it and they're going to buy it and they're going to like. It. So, but the, the, like the, the, the biggest, what I look for the most is from my peers and, and from myself is I'm how self-satisfied I am with it. But the, the, it's satisfying that the fact that there are people out there that are buying it and enjoying it. So, Oh yeah. But no it, matter but how many times I tell Rob just does. to give it up, he just does. <laughs> yeah, he just really. keeps going. Jesus, Rob. And I'm not doing it to get rich. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and realizing that I was never going to get rich, but I was definitely going to be able to feed my soul. That's yeah. That, yeah. That's what that's what drives me. I, I I have to draw, and it's nice that I can draw something that other people like. Yeah, the peers yeah, and I, the people and the customers, peers like. and the fans. I, I would mm-hmm. agree with that. That's that's uh, the gratification that's, I receive. That's the biggest satisfaction I get. Yeah, is a combination of those. I, I love. Uh, I'll give you an example when I'm when I'm at a convention. It doesn't matter whether it's San Diego or a small town. Doesn't matter. But yeah. if I'm away from the table when <laughs> the person who commissioned the piece comes to get the work, I'm always disappointed. I want to be there because I want to yes. see the you reaction. Want to see the reaction, yeah. Right? And yeah. I'll tell you, that's that's what got me going the most. I'm like seeing that person's grin when they see what they describe to me, and then I brought it to life. We, we've Same done, thing. With, we've done magic for them. We've yes, done magic for yes. them. Yes. Yeah. And when com- when when a comic book that I've worked on and put a lot of myself into comes out, and 
somebody grabs it and, and whatever reaction it is, but especially if it's a positive reaction, you know, they get it and you're sharing your own view of the world with them. Mm-hmm, and right. that's there. That's where the gratification there's, comes there's from. No, there's, yeah. There's no bigger high than that and, and getting that, getting that book and opening it up. And, and you know, work. people yeah. say, "Yeah, but you still want to get paid." Yeah, but I've yes. got a day. Yes. I've got a day job. And I do want to get paid, but I've got a day job, so <clears throat> that's why I'm not doing, um, you know, logos for people and design work for people. Because I've already got a day job, right? So I want to see what they respond to. That's personal from me, yeah. from what I create. Uh, mm-hmm. That's precisely why. I'm such a stickler for this no calculation thing because I'll catch myself calculating and I have to turn that editor off, turn that editorial voice completely off and go, don't edit this. Don't worry about whether who's going to like it or who's not going to like it. If, if there's 150 people in Croatia who love what you did, it doesn't matter. That's great. That's it. That's who your audience is. I thought your entire motivation was to please me, which you've been failing at. You succeeded in space. Yes, I'm a success. I knew it. But you know, the person you need to, to, to uh, please is you. Yes. Because yes. I, I don't know about you, Dean, but I am the harshest critic of my own work that's out there. Uh, you know, I am harder on my own work than anybody else's except maybe Aaron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes without saying. We gotta, I mean, uh, I'm still, yeah, yeah. I mean, you ask me to define what you do as drawing. I mean, I, I kind of want a definition. I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's a flag flying. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, but yeah, you've got you've got you to accept something. that I, I used to joke around with buddies of mine. Who was, oh, he got paid this much for this. He got paid this much for that. I'm like, that's awesome, guys. But if you really just want to make money and that's all you want to do, why are you doing this? There's so much other things you can do if you just, so obviously, you know, I would, I would call them out on this posturing that, you know, Oh, this guy had made this and this guy, that's great for them. That's awesome, dude. You know, like he made this much money on this comic. So-and-so made this. That's awesome. Okay. But go for it. That's great for you. But if it happens for you, great. But here's the key. If it doesn't happen for you, it doesn't mean that you failed. It means your audience is different from that dude. It may be 20% of that dude's. It may be 50% of that dude. But if you've got an audience, that's what's important. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't have to be millions yeah. of people, right? It doesn't. Especially it now doesn't. that we have the internet oh, yeah. distribution system. Right? Yeah. And well, I mean, it's very the, hard to get. The, millions of people because it's just people that's so much stimulus coming at people so many yeah things. there's so much stuff out there. it's, it's hard to the get internet. them to yeah uh, to focus i mean even getting people to read my comic online is pulling getting people to read your comic in period yeah is very yeah. Hard. yeah um yeah. which is which is kind of demoralizing when they buy it and don't read it i'm like that's like buying a movie and not watching it yeah, yeah. Which seen it, but they do, do it all the time i've seen yeah. people do that as well you know yeah. We should go back to the 1600s and just find wealthy benefactors that like what we do. Yeah. Yes, yes. The <laughs> How hard is family. that? Where are they? Come on. Well, they have that. It's called Patreon. Yes, they do have Patreon. Now. I'm still on the lookout yes. for a, an old rich widow with a bad cough. Yeah. There you go. Whoa, but seriously. So, Barb, tell us about after, you know, 
the tough years, the nineties where you're just, you're, you're doing the 16 hour day sometimes. And you're, and then as you get to that point where it doesn't matter, uh Oh, the industry changes, mm-hmm. everything goes away. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about more mature creators, but they still have bills to pay and they still have families and they still have to make money but they still love doing the art. Right. So you're facing this issue that we've all faced. Those of us have been in the industry for a while. Yeah. How did you address that? And how did you not lose your enthusiasm for what you loved, even though you had to make compromises? How did well, you balance? For me, when things kind of fell apart and I had to go back to the muggle world, and <laughs> My husband kind of said to me, he says, okay, now if you're going to do this, you can't just put six months in and quit and go back to comics because it's so dicey right now. You've got to commit to doing this job. Sure. Yeah. And I knew that the only way I was going to do that was to not do comics at all for a while and to to get completely Mm -hmm. into this. So I went back to accounting and I was a corporate accountant. And I turned my back on comics for a while and says, okay, I'm done with that. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I did it. I did it for 12 years. I did it for, uh, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week for, for 10 to 12 years. Um, because it was just that I just got that much work. And then all of a sudden, all of my editors got fired and nobody hired mm-hmm. me. Again, and then the industry fell apart and nobody was hiring. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I was disgusted. And I'm going, you know what? I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm not, I'm I'm not ready to go pimp myself out again, you know, have to make the rounds. Hi, my name's Barb Gilbert. Yep. Like that. So I was really frustrated and angry and, and uh, so yeah. I turned my back on it for a while. And I, I, and I realized, I, I, I feel your pain. I realized. I yeah. After about five years, I couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. like an itch. It's like an itch underneath your skin. You know, mm-hmm. and it gets worse and worse as time goes by. And finally, I'm like, oh, I got to do something. I got to do some comics. This is driving me crazy. You know, like I'm, I'm not cut mm-hmm. out for to be just an accountant for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started picking up little odds and ends. And it was just enough to keep me happy because I was working 12 hour days in accounting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just That's enough. Numbers. Yeah. This, yeah. It was <laughs> just enough to keep my little toe in in and keep me happy and creative and we paid the house off i don't know about seven or eight years ago and i says okay i'm going to part-time because i gotta get back into it i I can't stand this anymore um and so i went down to part-time at work and i really started to dig in again and that's around the time well i was about a year after i'd done that when you and roland came to me and we started mm-hmm. doing cat and mouse and awesome. I started doing other things. I was working with Paul Kupperberg with at Charlton Neo and, and uh, then shortly before the pandemic hit, I completely retired and Oh, that was the best thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, Isn't now, it though? Make no mistake, <laughs> make no mistake. There's I, I still keep plenty busy outside of comics, but I try to schedule my days now uh in the mornings i will do things that my mom's in a in a care home i will do stuff with her i will do run the errands get my gardening done um you know get the housework done stuff like that and then 
from noon to six, I will do comics. Awesome. And, and then depending on the evenings, I will also work on it in, in front of the TV. But Saturdays, Saturday mornings are Silverline uh, accounting days because I also happen to be the CFO for Silverline. So I have to keep all that in mind. And usually Saturdays, I'm I'm pestering uh, Roland and DJ for <laughs> invoices. This, or why did you this? What's this for? <laughs> What's this for? Uh, yeah. yeah. This map, yeah. <laughs> what, it, what exactly does this do for us? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have to schedule accounting time for Silverline as well. Well, what about That's your part of the, uh, the ratio of peer approval, fan approval, and, you know, compensation? Like, give us an idea of those, each of those components. How important are they on your priority list? Peer approval, I think, is top. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan approval well, is second. And because, yep. like I said, I'm retired, I have a nice retirement package. I don't need to do this for the money. I do this because I love it. And usually most of the profits I make off my books, I try to, I, I end up splitting most of it up and giving it out to my creators on Divinity um, to keep them motivated to keep going. Um, and it's, and I'm, I'm in one of those very, very rare and lucky positions where I don't need to do this uh, for a living. I do it because mm-hmm. I want to be doing it. And I, I have a genuine love of it. Uh, and I have to be doing it. So it's not for the money. And it's not for uh, the recognition, although Divinity is doing well. Um, that's that's nice. It's a nice sideline. Yes. Yeah, it really I is. Do, I do really appreciate uh, peer appreciation, uh, yep. recognition, and... and um, I had something happen to me two weeks ago that has never happened to me before. Uh-oh. I was I was at a show in in, in Wisconsin Dells, and I've given hundreds, maybe thousands, of photographs uh, out over the, over the years. Where I'll, I'll take photographs with fans. They always they want, oh, can I take a photo with you? Yeah, yeah, and we'll take a selfie or something. Um, a fan was walking by my booth couple of weeks ago and she stopped and she looked up and she goes oh, and she's just overcome she starts to shake and tears come into her eyes wow i am such a huge fan of yours i've oh, i've always wanted nice. to meet you can i take a picture with you and i i said sure no. yeah and i came around the table and i gave her this big hug and she's just literally shaking with tears in her eyes hi ryan and um <laughs> and uh uh she says, you're one of my, I'm one of your biggest fans. And that is a first for me that where somebody was just so overwhelmed to meet me in 30 plus years. That's the first time something like that has happened to me. And that was pretty damn special. That's awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Ryan also says motivation is to tell a great story and have fun creating it. So that's true. That's true, Ryan. And then our our boy, Tommy, Howdy do, my peeps. Howdy do, Tommy. Tommy is another uh, motivated person. Uh, we joke that uh, he's the anchor who never sleeps. And yeah, really. he's always <laughs> working on something um, because Roland's always giving him stuff to work on. And I'm always, you know, throwing stuff at him, too. Hey, I'm doing another cover. Can you ink it? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I never by really the worried way, about... Uh... I'm trying to think peer, but I just always wanted to see my thing put together and on the shelf. 
That was my guess biggest motivation. Yeah, yeah. So seeing it, right I never, I never cared about what my peers thought or if right. You know, if somebody wanted to read my story and talk about it because there are right. philosophical ideas, especially my godly story, that'd be great. But I, I just right. never. The reason I never. <laughs> I guess sometimes I never cared about my peers are doing this. A, a lot of some of the peers and stuff were doing stuff that just that wasn't my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. I always felt, and, and I felt this way a long time. Like a lot of people in comics, I feel don't take advantage that you could do anything in this medium, and that that mm-hmm. that is a personal frustration. For me, sometimes when I see mm-hmm. people continuously rehash the same ideas over and over again, and I'm not technically always really sure why that is, but when somebody finally you know pushes themselves to do things that I've never seen before, you know, mm-hmm. Bill Sinkevich is you know one that he does. I mean, you know, things that you've mm-hmm. never seen, and because I'm just like out of all the entertainment mediums, you could do anything you want and get away with it. It's comics, the visual and writing. I mean, you can do. And so when I see somebody's like, I have another Batman type story, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm always kind of amazed. Uh, and so I never really, there are certain, maybe there's certain peers and stuff or friends of mine that I, you know, I'd like to get their opinion ideas on. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like I was over here doing these weird, crazy things. And everyone was kind of doing a lot of other mm-hmm. people doing safe mainstream sort of things. So I've never mm-hmm. felt like, they they merge like I never I just always assume they wouldn't get what I'm doing because th- that's not what their mindset is. You not what they're doing su- is bad. It's you just might not... be surprised. You might. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, because it never seemed to kind of cross the bridge. I mean, I find that weird that even people look at my main character Boomer. He's like a blue lightning bolt. They can't figure that out. Well, what's this blue guy? They don't. And I always find that weird uh, when I see so many comics do so many other strange creatures, but they look at mine and like we don't get it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's, okay. that's whatever well, obviously, works. Obviously, yeah. whatever doesn't work for you, guys. Are, are getting it. I mean, I we're also, getting it. I also yeah. also felt that um, Trumps and Steam Patriots are something I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very yeah. unique yeah. ideas. Very unique idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely right. And another thing, it, you know, Aaron, you bring something up about you know doing something new and doing something novel. I also file that in the category of approach. Because it's yeah. very hard to make the argument that someone is doing something completely unique because almost everything is uh, a reassembly of things that we've always seen and experienced. I but, don't but, think I do that unique but, of stuff. So. But, but that being said, it's the execution and the style being so unique to the creator that gets my attention, right? Because, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know... I'll take Todd McFarlane because he's an easy target, right? Yeah. You look at him and you go, well, when he was doing work for Marvel and you go, okay, he's doing a unique take on Spider-Man. But then when he did Spawn and you're saying, wow, it's it's not that he's the best artist. It's yeah. that you're seeing Todd's mind. You're in his mind and you're experiencing – I mean, we – We've yeah. seen similar stories before, so that's not the novelty. The novelty is how he's sharing that world with us. The style yeah. is outstanding. And that's what, I don't know about you other guys, but that's what grabs my attention. If somebody's style is so unique in art world, you know, like yeah. in, in writing, same thing. But if their style is so uniquely theirs and powerful and compelling that it stands out, 
I'll sit there and stare at it. You know, yeah. um, that's a lot of times what I do with a lot of the European comics. They, I yeah. rarely, as a lot of them, I don't quite completely understand. They do that, you know, European storytelling is very things out of left field. I remember one yeah. character in a story died and like fell apart into a bunch of ferrets that ran off into the forest and never explained yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. They, they just Bizarre never, things. they just said, well, that's what she does. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, I guess okay, I'll take right. that as it is. Uh, <laughs> it's just a sensibility and storytelling. And they've always, sure. but the artwork and the imagination, in a lot of those books is just off the chart. Yeah. Um, and that's what always motivates me. I mean, I remember, I mean, I, I think, Looking back, I grew up a very. I think I was more influenced by underground comics, but like you know, the heavy metal movie. Um, yes, you know, even eighties yes. toys. If you look at eighties toys, they're very, you know, Conan. You know, you had like Masters of the Universe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with like all these you know robots or whatever, and there was about this idea. Where, and I think just everyone was created in a void. They didn't. They were just creating whatever looked cool, put it out there, and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. But I think now so many people influenced by so many other things that it's it's really hard. But it it is one thing that it, it's it it's not even a motivation uh, for me. I just when people like, why well, I would never do this? I remember one guy. And just the story, he did this Aztec comic, and I remember okay. he it was in a flip book, and it was like this Aztec warrior, and like almost kind of like that one movie Mel Gibson did. Uh, I can't remember uh, uh, the one with oh, the, uh, the one with the Aztec Apocalypto. Apocalypto. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like this: this Aztec warrior running around, he's fighting like a jaguar god, which I've got. And I was sure. like, this, this is really really cool, and he's like, yeah. and I was like, oh, I really enjoyed this. I bought his book and liked it, and then he's like, well, no. No, that's not selling. Superheroes are selling. So he goes off and does his complete superhero book and puts yeah. himself out of, out of business like that. <laughs> and I'm that's like, interesting. why, why didn't you just stay with what you had? Stay with what you had, yeah. But he's yeah. like, well, no, I smell money over here, so I'm <laughs> going to go do this because this sells. And then he fails. You know, and I'm just like, that, I see this that's a an lot. Interesting, it's an interesting story, and it brings up a question for you. I want, I want you to comment on this. Yeah. Uh, I use uh, pop music as a metaphor, specifically yeah. – the band Genesis. Um, <laughs> when Peter when Peter Gabriel left, and Phil Collins <laughs> took over, you know Phil Collins became known as the you know the hit machine, right? He would write yeah. commercial stuff, and Peter was the more conceptual, you know, fine art, especially for his type. videos and stuff. Yeah. Right. Rock. So progressive rock, more yep. progressive, yeah. exactly. So, but here's the thing that Phil new i think intrinsically not you know one's better one's not i'm not talking about that just he he knew something and he said okay for every 10 songs on the album right you do a certain number for yourself a certain number to pay for the album to be commercial so in essence you do a half a dozen commercial songs or maybe seven commercial songs and then three that are just out there just experimental Total prog, right. total what you want to do. Oddly enough, sometimes the prog experiments end up being the ones that people respond to. Now, not always. Yeah. A lot of times they're just weird. But a lot of times they are. And what you're touching on is I would have loved for that guy, you know, you want to make money? Okay. Do a superhero book over here and then do your mm-hmm. own book again, right. right? Like go back yeah. to your own thing, you know, yeah. try it, see if you like it. Then come back and do your own thing. We've got uh, we've got a late comer yeah. here, Brent. Hey. Welcome. 
Yeah. That, that's usually that's usually what what I say. I, I'm a huge Phil Collins fan. For some reason, I, I never really got into Genesis that much. I, and I like Peter Gabriel. And I don't know why Genesis. It was okay, but mm-hmm. but Phil Collins also did a lot of like you said a lot of music. Uh, you know, personal music, which I think is sort of a byproduct of uh, a singer writer combination yes. somebody who writes their own music i think does it from a more personal place oh, sure, um sure. which we actually don't have a lot of I- anymore nowadays especially the sort of traditional singer songwriter billy what? eilish billy eilish yeah she's probably the closest we have yeah as somebody right who now. does it It'll and so i think well there's a adele, personal... adele adele oh, yeah adele she's another one yep yeah yeah. Um. And so it, it was. It was. But it's in, in the same thing. I just usually like can't like feel like if you write from the heart, if you write a story that touches you, or whatever. I, I I think one of the things that sometimes and comics do, but I comics is always I it struggle with the identity of being a kids medium, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes when it tries to go deep or talk about deep introspective things or other types of stuff, they they missed the mark. Like when the Comics Code Authority came up, everything was boobs and gore. And it's like, that's not really, that's not really what makes, like this is an adult comic that says boobs and gore. And I'm like, that's not really what makes an adult comic. It's it's usually talking about ideas that maybe kids don't necessarily get, like philosophical mm-hmm. or abstract ideas. Mm-hmm. And I, I see some comics do that, but, but fewer than should be. Um, and people argue sometimes, like, well, comics are supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to be fun, but like any medium, like music and movies, there are pieces of art that transcend that that mean something mm-hmm. personal, and that means something like you're saying something about the world, about yourself, about your life. And I think comics is afraid to do that. And there's very few stories I see hit that mark. And uh, there's like, um, I think European comics are the closest I've gotten to like really personal stories that move. Because if you look at movies, there's lots of movies that tell very like dramas. And mm-hmm. very, you know, but comics never did that. Books and movies know that, and they can do serious works and comical works and fun works. But comics are just obsessed. No, it has to be fun. Just, just fun, goofy, superhero shenanigans. There there's are, always there, exceptions. Yeah. Sandman. There, there, yeah. uh, there are some yeah. out there. Yeah, there, there yeah, are. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying they're not, but it, it's it's weird to me that it's it's almost like people make comics are constantly trying to chase their childhood instead of using the medium that you can tell any story you want. The medium itself is just a vehicle to anything you want, but a lot of people won't tell it because oh, it won't work in comics. Yeah, but I'm always like, yeah. why? Why wouldn't it? It would. It would. Yeah. What you're what you're talking about is the same things happening in, in pop music. Is that there's there's two levels. There's the push to make something popular, so it's a money right. machine, and then there's just people out there doing great work. Uh, right. I used to tell people, uh, you know, do you really think what we were talking about? guitar uh, uh, virtuosos one time mm-hmm. and we we're talking about uh like eric clapton and van halen and people like that yeah and i made the point to somebody i said do you really think van halen is the only person who can play that way i said van halen is unique and one of the greats however there's probably 99 other guitarists mm-hmm. who are that good but the timing and the connections weren't Just right weren't for those guys. Yep. So yep. what the point yep. I'm making is it's not just that they're not out there. You may not know about them. And yeah. there's also 
declarative it, it's it's always uh it's always touchy to make declaratives of what comics should or shouldn't be just like right, what right. music it's should or shouldn't be it's medium. better it's the better to right. ask it's better to ask the question what is it that you want to say and communicate and we are in a better position now with technology to share to that with that. a wider audience mm-hmm. than ever before because we're not just trying to get on the billboard charts we're not just trying to you know, meet the needs of one marketplace. So we got a worldwide marketplace. So you can literally do exactly what you want to do. Now, exactly that what being said. said, some people like me, for example, grew up yeah. on mainstream comics. I love right. them. That's what inspired me. But what I'm going to try to do with my work is use the things that inspired me to do comics and find a new way to share those visions, yeah. right? So the novelty will be, how I share that. It may not be the concept. It may be the, the, the way I'm doing it. Maybe the style. Exactly. Yeah. And, so. I'm just, and strangely enough, the one thing, and I've, and like I've even heard in comics, like I've heard, again, people have already said comics should be fun. Comics should be fun. I never hear writers say that about books. Books should be fun. I never hear movies say movies should be fun. I never hear people in the industry. It's almost like comics are still in that sort of apologetic mode of apologizing for what they are. You think there's a stigma still is what you're there's saying. There's a stigma still. And, and yeah, there's, there's, and, there's, and, and it's almost like we still apologize. Oh, we know we're comics. We're, you know. And, yeah. and I sense a little bit of that almost in the Marvel movies a little bit with the humor. I do. I do. That's and that's, what, that's where my problem yeah. with them comes yes. from. That's it. There's almost like this sort of humor or apologetic. Like we know this is corny and stupid, yeah. so we're going to have wink, a wink, bunch nudge, of lighthearted nudge. humor. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Because you more. know, you can't take this seriously because comics are for kids. So, And it's almost like that stigma has followed into the movies. And I'm like, and it's almost perpetuating it. Like yeah. there's so many, and a lot of the They're people watching money movies don't it. read the comics. Yeah, but a lot of yeah. people yeah. in the movies don't read the comics because again, well, comics are for kids. I don't read comics, but if they put it in the movies, mm-hmm. movies is an adult genre, so I can enjoy it in movies. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's. I don't understand the train of thought that way, but it's, it's really I how agree. people think. I think, I, I think eventually that will work itself out. It's probably going to take, unfortunately, yeah. probably going to take another generation for that to happen. I'll be gone by then. Yeah, I know. Uh, you you might live long enough to see it. Uh, no, somebody's uh, going to whack Aaron before that. Strange enough, with the stigma uh, doesn't well, stick. I, if I'm going, he's going. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, I know. That's <laughs> Strange Aaron, enough, that, with the stigma doesn't that. stick is in manga. Even in American people who like manga, they never see it. They never, it's never an apologetic medium. They just love it. Yeah. Well, and I still don't understand. The comics. Japanese saw it. Yeah. See it. Their society is completely different from ours. Theirs is, is more group-oriented, yes. and America mm-hmm. and this, many European right. countries are individually oriented. The, you know, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, the person is more important than society as a whole. Yeah, and right. that's it, a so Western that's, thing. That's why, yeah, that's why, uh, but, that's why Japanese see it. They see that yeah. whole thing differently. Yeah, they do, and it's very, it's very just like it's another medium. I mean, this is when I give people my comic and tell them about this philosophical ideas and talks about some stuff that I'm, I've mm-hmm. dealt with in my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. They almost find it like, well, yeah, but it's a comic book. 
it, that I'm, is a I'm actually having to almost battle that stigma yes. a little bit myself. Yes, that is because, their prejudice. That is not yeah. your problem. That is their. It's not my problem, but it's kind of French well, when you give it to them and they're just like, "Well, look, this is something I wrote seriously about my life and things I've gone through." I'm like, yeah, but it's a comic book. I mean, so yeah, it like takes my message and knocks it down. And the answer to that is, yes, you're right. You're right. It is, and it's it's an art form. It's an right. indigenous American art form. It's something we should be proud of. And before before we get too close to the end, I, I want to give yeah. Brent a chance to talk a little bit about our subject yeah. today, Brent, was what's my <laughs> motivation, right? <laughs> so <laughs> spoken like Grandpa Simpson asking for where's yeah. my medication. But it smells like mustard. <laughs> so, so what I want you to do is just for, for us, because we've all covered this tonight, um, a little bit about your work habits, being productive during the day, what time of day is more productive for you, how many hours do you put into you know, your writing, and then as far as the motivation goes, uh, talk a little bit about the components of peer recognition, fan recognition, or monetary compensation, and the level that the, each one of those elements brings motivation to you if you know okay so, i'm gonna try to go fast because you guys got the benefit of talking about it all and, and yeah we just hammered in it depth in detail Dead horse will not be boring or anything. we'll stop you if we've heard it before yes please. in fact just <laughs> if you're bored because i can also <laughs> talk about some fun stuff about what you guys were just talking about but okay, okay. so uh what's my motivation um you know, my motivation was I I decided I was a writer about maybe 20 years ago. Yep. And um, damn right you are. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's weird is I know it in my bones now. Yes. When I started yes. it out in my 30s, <laughs> I I actually tried to quit after a while. I, I, I was <laughs> like, I think my problem is I'm trying to find an identity for myself. Maybe it was a quarter life crisis and right. I was late. I don't know, but um, and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't quit writing. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I eventually found a way to make it actually happen in my day to day, and that's when I actually felt like I really started almost living in that way. Mm. I finally knew. I mean, people say your twenties are when you're trying to figure yourself out, and maybe in your thirties is when you get there. For me, it was the forties. It was when I finally could say, "I know what I want." What I want is to be a writer. And that has really been my only motivation because I haven't gotten any monetary. <laughs> <laughs> He's honest, people. He's honest. It's the creative life that, unfortunately, yeah. in our present society, we're, we're, we're worth more dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that should be, well, that should be a new comic. Or we cut our ear off. We're worth more dead. Yeah. 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 I'm trademarking that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is, the thing is that that's the, in its purest form, that is really my only motivation because uh, I get peer recognition, but I also um, am willing to hear my friends shred my work and they do so. <laughs> oh, well, um, wow. Wow. Okay. I actually submitted a film script to some friends um, along with a few other scripts and everyone else, they loved their scripts. Mine, they came at it with steak knives and everything. <laughs> oh, wow. I enjoyed that. 
And I'm like, okay, I want to say I deserved that because I took the risk. And that's the thing. Um, I don't want anyone to blow sunshine up my ass. That's exactly right. The truth so I can get better or else I'm fooling myself. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on my deathbed and have everyone line up just to tell me, you know, I actually thought you were a crappy writer. I just didn't want (laughs) to tell you. I I tell people if they can't take the heat, then get out of the kitchen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the time, everything I give me just sets on fire before reading it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have enough people telling me they like what I do enough so that I think, okay, maybe I should have been a plumber. So I'm beyond (laughs) that's good. But um, I mean, I'm still submitting short stories to places that I get rejected. I get rejected much, much more than I ever have gotten accepted. And that's not easy to deal with. Right. But in the end, I know this is what I want. And the cool thing about it is, I almost appreciate the fact that it's hard. I've seen people who want big things, but you know, even as they start talking about it, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how hard it's going to be, which means they probably don't want it very bad. Mm-hmm. You have to hurt. want it pretty bad. You have to mm-hmm. want it. And you know what's cool is? It's cool to want things. Yeah, and it is cool. really in your soul know, I would do this for free. Um, I and I am. <laughs> no, shoot. In some ways, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. And but I would still do it because I just love it that much. Sometimes yeah, I feel like people should be envious of me because I know what I like doing. I have yeah. friends out there who still struggle to know what it is they're really all about and mm-hmm. and uh, what is it they enjoy and how can that actually be life affirming. I've already settled that. I love that about it. So that's, that's good. Cool. So you, you like the struggle. Uh, that's good because yeah. being an artist, you know, that's that's part of it. That comes yeah. with it. What now, do you spend say, a day writing? What yeah. how many hours a day? That's what I was going to say. I set a goal for myself of about twenty hours a week, which oh, I almost accomplish exclusively early mornings. I get up oh. about four a.m. most mornings, and I do it. Um, and the upshot of that is I'm exhausted most of the time. <laughs> I don't like that. I wish I could do it at other times, but in terms of being able to avoid the, uh, just the interruption of life, um, uh, dial, I mean, my brain is spinning so fast at the end of the day. I don't know if I can actually settle down enough to do it then. And I've got a day job. Um, so that's really how I make it work. Um, so but success, yeah. success in the, any of the creative arts is going to take sacrifice, and most of the, yeah. most of what you're sacrificing is sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It occurs yes. to me if I got a part time job that I worked twenty hours at, I'd probably be substantially richer than I am now. But right. uh, that's okay because I could yeah. be doing a job that I don't like. Well, depends. Free, and I do. It's it's what is success? Yeah. What is success? To you. Yeah. To you. To you. Yeah, that's what's if you're if you're enjoying it and it's and it's uh, satisfying you, that's mm-hmm. success to yeah. you, or it should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's I that's was, success to me. I, if I'm happy with what I'm doing, I was yeah. fortunate in that um, I was I could work from home when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I first started out, it was it wasn't that dire because my husband had a, a, a mid level 
uh, office job. And he was like, you, you can kind of, you can do your little hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden his, his whole division got, uh, got laid off. You know, it was, they just completely stopped the whole division. And um, he came home and was like, I don't have a job. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, this is not such a hobby anymore. Is it? <laughs> and it, the pressure was all on me to, 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 uh, take care of the family. But the thing, and I worked it around. I took the kids to school. I come home, you know, I, I work, get, pick the kids up, take them to sports, come home. And then I, Dick would feed them at night and do their homework with them. And I would work until two in the morning. And then I get up and do it all over again the next day, <laughs> seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I did it, you know, because because that's one of the things is because I had to, but the other thing is is because I was driven to do okay. it. Yeah. And yep. I, so I I slept on probably four hours of sleep for twelve years. Yeah, yeah. So the the moral of the story is, if you're gonna get in this, don't business, be artistic, kids. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to school. school. Actually, school. I, I think being I think being a creative is like being gay. You either are or you're not. Yeah. It's not yeah. something you can choose to be. You are, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's a matter you're of whether you learn man. to. It's learn how to deal with it. How to deal some with? People, yes. Some people put it off in the corner, and it's just a hobby. But other yeah. people, it, it, it it's it's more than a hobby. It's well, it's, it's, to me, it's a calling. I, yeah. I have to create every day or I'll yeah. get cranky. I've got to work on something creative. Dean yeah. starts yeah. whining. Whiny. I get whiny. <laughs> I, get, I, get, I, get I start crabby. to sound like Aaron after a while. I know. Like, Nobody wants to be around. <laughs> talk, I mean, talk about whiny. You know, yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Um, well, so last thing, Brent. Question to you. Um are the Marvel movies, because I want to get one more fun question in before we close out tonight. And I, I can't wait to see Aaron's response to this one. I, I'm no, curious because I'm already laughing. I, I, are, the, are the Marvel movies getting too, shall we say, humor shielded because they don't want to do the hard work of making the content believable? Now, I know that's a loaded question with a lot of editorializing in it, and I did that intentionally. But go on, and, and what, do you, what do you think? Or do you think, no, that's just, that's how Marvel Comics should be. I mean, that's fair, too, if you want to. Well, that, no, serious message is what they're saying. Yeah. Here's my thought. Mar- I, I love the Marvel movies. And it's not because um, I feel like the, like, I see what you're saying, Aaron, in that, they they bring in the humor almost as a way to deflect away from the fact that it is a comic book movie. But I will say this, Marvel, I mean, there's a reason why they are a billion-dollar industry. It's yes. because they have found something that genuinely works. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, Rob, I don't think you need to wait till you know, you're dead and buried to see the, the, uh, the, media, the medium expand. I feel like we're there already. Like if there's someone who says I like comic books, but I'm not really into the the fun bouncy stuff. I want the dark grim stuff. I'd say the boys. I don't Ooh, love the show, yeah, yeah. but I will say not like a cup of tea. Out. But it's definitely uh, it's Stranger, well made, but... Stranger Things is probably in that same 
Okay. We're live seeing I mean, I mean, straight up, like Watchmen is, yeah. I mean, the movie, but even the show. I mean, those guys are dealing with stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else. And the reason is because they are, because they're using a comic book medium. Right. The Marvel, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like they're trying to dumb it down. I feel like they've landed a formula that works. And frankly, I love it. Frankly, I watch the Marvel movies as a colonic to the rest of the crap I have to deal with every day. It's just sometimes I need to laugh. Uh, what, what, we'll what, what they remember that I think is they, that... they do dumb it down. And I will show you a few. When I read George's Perez's Avengers, Ultron in that comic killed an entire third world country. He slaughtered every single one of them just to get the Avengers' attention. Right? Would you it's ever see like that in a Disney Marvel die. movie? It does. It felt like you would never see directly. that in a Disney Marvel movie. No, this would. is what I'm talking. In in the comics, they didn't do the humor. The, the danger was real. They were real yeah, they people. Did. That's what I'm yeah, saying. They yeah, they did. Didn't they you did. think humor? There was humor, but not not as much. I mean, like you felt like a danger. I mean, when I when I read a lot of the stuff, like I remember when they did the Thanos. I mean, the battle with Thanos in the comics was much more intense because he kept he could alter reality. So as they kept attacking him, he would like turn him into flowers or bees, and he would just alter reality. And I'm like, wow, this yeah. is intense. So I do think there is a dumbing down in 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 the tone. They are not. I mean. Well, Tony Stark's it's a different deal with medium. alcoholism. It's you a, know, it's a different medium. It's, it's different a different medium. medium. But again, I think you take away, especially a lot of the characters, what makes those characters interesting for the sake of selling a joke. I smell Tony another podcast here. Well, it, you know, Tony Stark's <laughs> struggle with alcoholism. Uh, Hank Pym struggled with mental illness. These were unique ideas and interesting character traits. All of that's gone in the Marvel movies. They're just a carbon copy of every single character. They actually started out Thor as the actual Thor. Oh, well, he's too boring. We'll make him snarky. Everyone has the exact same humor as Tony Stark. That's how they kept Chris Hemsworth doing Thor. Right. Well, okay. You you touched on something there. There's there's a broad subject matter and then a more specific one. On the broad subject matter. I think there's a balance that was struck by John Favreau's uh, Iron Man one. I had think a fantastic the first few Marvel movies I thought were good. Between the, the, the director okay. of Thor and I cannot pronounce his name to save my life. He's what? the one that brought so much slapstick into it, and I was oh, the, the one who brought the slapstick was Josh Whedon. That's yeah, Whedon. I was getting to Whedon. Yeah. Whedon has Whedon one is voice, the one, and they've stuck and with him. He's the ever snarky since. guy. Yeah, he's yes. the snarky yeah. writer. He writes yeah. snappy, snarky dialogue for every mm-hmm. character. That's yeah. a huge mistake because you need Buffy foils and, and you need all that. Yeah. But I love um, Chris Whedon's stuff. And if you go back and watch Buffy, there it is holds up. serious darkness. No, no, that I, no, but that. that's, that's, right, but that's his that's, own property. That works. That works. That's his own his property. Stuff. In other words. But you can't come in and write everybody with Tony Stark's voice like he yes. did with Avengers. You can't it, write everybody annoying. with Tony Stark. It's annoying because everybody's trying to outquip each other. Yeah. That Number one, that's a style. It's not realistic. It's a style. Right. It's mm-hmm. theater, right? It's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't sell the realism. And number two, no. I want to hear what Thor really is like I want to hear yeah. what Captain yeah, I don't America want him to is be really a like. I don't, I I don't, don't want like him to yeah. be cartoonish. And not, in other words, our point is not everybody's a comedian, nor should they be. You right. know, if you want to write a show where everybody's got a snarky line and can out snarky, that's great because that's your thing. 
but that's not necessarily a- applicable to the Avengers. Um, right. and not, well, I mean, like, no. look at Star Wars. The snarky one, the funny one was Han Solo. Right. And they stopped right. there. Yeah. Right? The I mean, imagine if Luke was trying if, to Imagine everyone was Han Solo. Yeah. It'd get, yeah. it'd get old. This it'd is my biggest old. problem with Disney. They paint a broad... Again, it's 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 creative properties created by businessmen, and they're not being creative, and they're not invoking any creativity into it. What sells? Oh, that humor sells. Let's double down on the humor, put more of that. Oh, that okay. sells. But they where put the, will they the go? internet memes? They put the humor. They put all this stuff in there. It's just it's what's popular on the charts on the internet that day, and they throw it in the movie. Sounds like nineties comics. They'll, they'll yeah. come I'll to add that, more. and that runs dry. Well, this, is, this is the, this is the, the litmus test I always ask people about movies. When you think of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can picture that storyline very well. Yeah. Get the Ark movie. of the Covenant. Yeah. Do you remember the exact storyline of the last Avengers movie? Yeah. yeah. Does it get a little confusing? What about the, yeah. you know? What about the, the Thor? Does it? Do you remember all the details, all the story, every detail? Does it get a little confusing? Yeah. I think hard enough. Yeah, because they're not writers. It's it. They're putting stories, and they're and they're basically the story it's is there to sell vignettes. a bunch of funny moments. It's a yeah. It's a series of vignettes. A series of vignettes. I disagree. For this pulled reason, by this loose story, that's why the stories never hit, and why you never care. This is why more people in the Marvel universe care about the characters, not the story. And yet, well, they sell better. How many? How much money those movies have made? It doesn't remember matter. When, money. Scorsese said, "Money is the thing that gets me all the time." To go look how much money. It's like some well, of the greatest literature in human history has not made tons of money, and there's a well, reason why it's great literature. Books. Think about um, this. Remember when Scorsese said that he didn't like Marvel movies because it was just like a, a, a roller coaster ride? Yeah. The problem with that statement is a roller coaster ride is three minutes long. If people really felt that way about Marvel movies, they wouldn't go and they wouldn't sell money. Now, think about this. When the Infinity War uh, movie ended, people were crying. And I was like, what is wrong with you? You know those people are coming back. And yet, (laughs) for some reason, they were touched in a way that was pretty stark i, I remember when Civil War came out, and people were coming up to me and saying what did you think of this movie and i'm like well it's pretty cool and, and they were like yeah but i don't really like about you know the idea of government interference and suddenly we're talking about politics i mean the fact is people they, they really resonate with these movies for for some reason and you can't just pin that on well because tony stark is funny you, well, you would the thing not is, is well, many... let me ask you this. If an alien race came to the Earth and you were to present one movie that encapsulates the human race, would you show them a Marvel movie? Mm, not unless they wanted to laugh. Now, see, if they wanted to look into the grim, dark underbelly. Not even, of... not even grim, dark. I'm not even talking grim, dark. That's not even the opposite. No, I'm yeah. saying the cool part about Marvel is they have figured out how to do it one way. They just now, tell the hero talking... story over and over again. Yeah. It's the exact same story over and over, except they add the current internet jokes. That's the formula. Mm. That's it. In a nutshell, that's the bin. It's the well, bin that way. More than that, but uh, ever I, I can see how you. Can I, throw in I can see how you would see it that way. Two two cents from Rory. Two cents. When you talk about like they all have like the same personality, there is instances where that does happen. That's actually a very, it's well documented. 
in the military, you're stuck with the same group of people for an extended period of time, heightened anxiety, you're surrounded by darkness and just doing so much stuff you don't want to do. You have no control of what's going on around you. Everybody, I don't know, it doesn't matter what personality you have. There's like, what, 16, 18 personalities. I've seen everybody converge onto that same, like, everything is a joke. Everything is funny because it has to be because it's a coping mechanism. So it all gets real dark. Like cemetery humor is a thing. So you start cracking jokes and you could like, oh, there's a mine right there. And I'm on a giant metal ship. (laughs) This is going to go great. Well, you know, but that humor, that humor was more perfectly encapsulated with the second Alien film, Aliens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That. That that yeah. fits. Game over, man. Yeah. Game, game oh, over. Man. It's fit. Hey, speaking of game over, kids. Oh, we yeah. 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 We had a good time. Good, good segue. Good segue. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a whole other podcast on this. We're going to do a whole other uh, podcast. Line after but, uh, dark was continuing on after we, this. We're going to have to do this. But uh, we do like to close all of our broadcasts oh, man. by oh, our mantra, which is... Make mine silver line. Hi, my name is Sergio Cariello, and make mine silver line. Thank you for listening to the Silver Line Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.